Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, I am honored and humbled to have you and introduce our next guest, Mayor Seppi Shine. Thank you for coming on What's the Point? So Seppi Shine has a wild resume. The first female mayor of West Hollywood, the first publicly LGBTQ Iranian political official elected in the world, and she's currently running for Congress in District 30. Seppi has broken through the glass ceiling multiple times, many firsts, which is so remarkable. And I truly thought one of the most remarkable things about you was that you also have this other side where you're a Reiki healer, practice sacred geometry. The last time we spoke and I saw you at that fundraiser, you had mentioned a few other things, modalities. So basically she does it all. And um, amongst other things, she fled the horrendous Islamic regime at age five. So she's an immigrant to this country. So not only are you a gay activist mayor who does Reiki, but you also, you're an immigrant. Like that's just wild. So we're so excited to have you. There's so many questions we have for you and welcome to What's the Point. Thank you so much. Welcome. So one of the first questions we typically ask is what is your definition of fulfillment and what is your definition of success? And do you find at all that they are intertwined? Those are very good questions. Um, well, first, I just want to say I'm the first Iranian female mayor in America, but not the first uh, female mayor in West Hollywood. I don't want the previous female <laughs> mayors getting upset with me if they okay. hear this. <laughs> Definition of fulfillment is feeling joy and following my purpose. Actually, following my purpose, because through following my purpose is where I'm able to tap into joy and love and bliss and all of the wonderful feelings that come with it. There's also negative feelings that can come with following my purpose too. So really feeling all my feelings. And the definition of success, the definition of success to me is being an inspiration 
to others. Wow, that's a great answer. We haven't gotten that answer before. That's incredible. So something that Annabelle and I, when we were discussing you and having you on, we, you know, something that we, that stood out to us was that you have like dared to be different, right? And by nature of not being white, not being from this country, not being straight, you're already, you stick out of a crowd, right? And then add all the other things, like the more woo-woo things that people would quote that more woo-woo, et cetera. And like being bold in that arena, these are all tied to your purpose, right? These things that you're stepping out and doing, it sounds like. Well, I guess that's the first question. Do you feel like all of these things are just tied to your purpose? And is the assumption I would make is that you have to be a bit fearless to be like, well, this is my purpose. And even though the odds are stacked against me, I'm going to go out there and be that person. Yeah. So I'm just going to answer that by saying that I discovered that my purpose was to illuminate as I was having my rise in consciousness reawakening journey in 2000, between 2010 and 2011. And I've since realized as I look back in my life that I have been illuminating my name is actually Sepide, which means dawn, when the sun rises. I, by virtue of who I've been and my coming out, for example, illuminating my family as to what it being gay is and standing in my authentic truth, I ended up, I am also an attorney. I went to law school and I can share that story as well of why I went to law school in the practice of law, when I've helped others is to illuminate and uplift. I did plaintiff side litigation for three and a half years, and then I do business law and trademarks now. And it's also to bring joy and illuminate um, in public service. It's to bring light to this world, creating a different matrix in the current political matrix that exists and to uplift people that way and be of service. And also obviously in my spiritual practice and my healing business as well, I definitely have fears just like everybody else. I feel like the word fearless is not actually a reality. I feel fear, but I choose to courageously embrace and take action despite feeling fear. How? (laughs) By not listening to the ego mind because fear isn't actually real. The only thing that is real in this life is love. And fear can be a small noise in the brain. It can be debilitating. It can be traumatizing. And what I've learned, probably because I've had so much trauma in my life in all sorts of ways, and really work to heal that trauma, I've learned that in order to not stay stuck, to move past fear is to just have courage, but also reframing my thoughts. It's on the head. Of course. It is actually literally not real. So tactically, fear comes into your head. What do you do now? I actually said and go, okay, is this real? Am I projecting something from my past? Is this a, because I have PTSD. So I go, is this a PTSD symptom? What's the truth? And then I lean into my intuition because the intuition is all knowing. 
Sometimes fear is helpful. I, I will say, you know, this, for example, if I'm walking across a cliff, fear or ego would stop me from jumping off the cliff and dying. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. But when it comes to everyday things, a lot of fear comes up for everybody. So what I do is I lean into my intuition to know what the guidance is for me instead of, instead of moving and making decisions based on fear. So instead of moving toward the scared part, you move toward yeah. the higher self part. So I guess also tactically speaking, so we obviously all have, we have many parts of us. If you believe in mm-hmm. IFS or study IFS, I believe in that. Sometimes for me personally, fear can disguise itself as like intuition. Like we've talked about with guests, how sometimes your gut can be wrong or like how sometimes it can be so convoluted and tricky. Like, has that always been super clear for you? Have you just always been someone who's like, nope, I know in my gut? No. Well, first I want to say that your gut is never wrong. It's just you learning to strengthen the muscle of recognizing whether it's your intuition, which is your gut versus fear. And that's the thing to keep working on. And no, I have not always. And when I became a Reiki master, I started working with a pendulum to Mm. tap into my intuition. And my friends are hilarious. They will literally make fun of me because I used to use it for everything. I thought it was the coolest thing. And I was uh, floored that this crystal just moved by itself. I use it to um, balance chakras now in sessions as well. I always had my pendulum with me and I needed to do that because it really helped me uh, learn my intuition versus fear. And intuition, by the way, is always in the present. That's another thing to think about. So our present moment can change and our circumstances can change based on things that are happening around us and the choices we make. Mm -hmm. So what may be your intuition in that present moment may not be the same two months from now. Right. Okay. That makes sense. No, that actually makes a lot of sense to me because looking back on experience of mine that I said I trusted my gut and my gut was wrong. Now that I look back on it, I saw that I acted from a place that there was ego involved and there was noise and other people's opinions involved, right? Like, oh, this person was recommended so highly, whatnot. Like, oh, like I should hire her even if there was a quick red flag in that conversation. So I totally, I agree with that, that like if you're able to tap into your gut fully without the noise and it is never wrong, but a lot of times you have clouds over your gut, which for me typically is either fear, but it's a lot of it is like other people's opinions and noise, society's noise, like where Mm. should I be at this age or what should I be doing or things like that. So I think this concept of noise too, you've had to probably deal with this a lot personally and professionally. Everyone has their opinions over your policy or over your, you know, sexuality or whatever it is. Like, how do you, is it the same way that you deal with fear? How do you deal with the noise? So good. And when did you start? being like, I have to make this distinction. Okay. Yes, it is the same in every area. I do lean back into, and I've given this a lot of thought to regarding policies that I've passed because there are so many opinions. Mm -hmm. Literally people come and do public comment of all sorts. And so as an elected official, I know that it's my job to listen to constituents, look at all the data, look at all the facts and 
represent the people that I was voted to represent. And uh, I do lean into my intuition a lot when I'm trying to make decisions, but also on facts and data. I'm very much a policy person. So it's a combination. And what was your question? When did I? Like, when did you? So I guess this is kind of peeling back to, so you did kind of mention this like 2010 higher consciousness moment. What was that? And was that the moment you were like, I need to really start differentiating between my gut and my ego? Like what was sort of that turning point where you moved into this space? Like what happened in 2010? Well, I'm going to go back to why I became a Reiki master. I think that'll be helpful. When I was living in Northern California, um, I was with uh, my first long-term partner and we did a lot of amazing things together, but our relationship Unfortunately, we weren't actually compatible. There was codependency. There were some unhealthy things. So I chose to end that relationship. And I moved in with a couple in the interim um, who were friends of mine, a lesbian couple. And one of them was a trial lawyer. The other one was a chiropractic student named Megan. Megan, a few months before this, was diagnosed with metastasized melanoma. She was 26 and she was given six months to live. No. She was an incredible soul and so into alternative healing. I was very uh, much into, you know, spiritual. I'm a double Pisces with a Scorpio rising. So I, you know, in high school, I was in the arts. I'm also a poet and I did theater and really all of that stuff. And I was really interested in um, spirituality. But when I went to law school, that just completely shut off because that's the essence of law school, unfortunately. So Megan was determined to beat the diagnosis. And I did a lot of research and my partner at the time, she and I were, when we found out, we both did a lot of research and there was unheard of anyone surviving past six months with this type of melanoma. But she was, she was, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to beat this. So she did chiropractic care, massage therapy, low dose um, chemo, radiation, and she also did Reiki. So I lived with her and her partner. I rented a room from them for three months and Megan would go get radiation and come home and tell me about her experience with a Reiki master. And this is the first time I heard of Reiki. She literally told me one day, I can smell the toxins coming out of my body from the radiation. And I was fascinated and I kept thinking, what is this Reiki? At the time I was working for an asbestos litigation firm, working 80 hours a week. I was not, I had no time to look into any of this stuff. I ended up wanting to move to Los Angeles because I was traveling here a lot and I just was fascinated and the L word had just come out and it was like really cool. And I needed to get away from Northern California for a fresh new start here. My sister lived here. And I told my sister, I said, in about a year, I'm going to try to transfer to this other office here in in, um, Los Angeles. And then it turned out that I ended up getting laid off. And my sister said, why don't you move to LA? This is perfect. And I thought, oh man, but also, wow, I think I made that happen somehow. (laughs) Now that I understand manifestation, I definitely manifested it. And I ended up moving here for the first time in my life because I had was going through a divorce, because I chose to change my life so dramatically moving here, because I got laid off, I started having anxiety for the first time. 
I passed the bar on the first time. I had just been more of a feel good, positive spirit, even though with all the things I had gone through, I always was uh, one to be more positive. I had never in my life lost my focus. I literally couldn't focus. I couldn't count. I felt very scared because I told my sister, I'm like, I can't even watch TV. And then I ended up experiencing panic attacks. And I went to the urgent care twice thinking I'm having a heart attack. And they're like, oh, you just have anxiety. I'm like, anxiety? What is this anxiety? What does it mean? And they gave me Xanax. And by the way, at the same time, I decided to take some time off instead of, I moved in with my sister in Beverly Hills and I said, okay, I'm going to start my own law practice. She's like, hold up. Why don't you just take a little time? Cause you've worked ever since you became as I, ever since I got my green card when I was 16, I've worked, 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 put myself through college, you know, and she said, just take a little time. It's okay. And I didn't even know what that meant. I thought, okay, sure. Maybe I should take some time off. I creative Renaissance. I wrote so much poetry. I had a spiritual reawakening at that time. I started reading, you know, The Power of Now had just come out and I was meditating and really stretching my consciousness. But at the same time, I was having anxiety. So that eventually turned into depression, but I was a functionally depressed person because I was still out there as an advocate. I was, you know, during 2008, I was the president of the LGBT Bar Association. Nobody knew that when I was at home, I was miserable and didn't want to get out of bed and didn't want to exist anymore. It had gotten that bad. My depression was so bad. I didn't want to live anymore. And then one night at my lowest of lows, I had a dream. Now, by the way, Megan ended up living 22 months, but she did pass. But Mm. 22 months is unheard of. She also did no sugar, all organic, just all of the things. After she passed, there were some other traumatizing things that happened during this time too, but I had a dream about her and she was wearing red, pushing a red cart. And I woke up thinking, she's giving me a sign. And I thought to myself, I think I should learn Reiki. Maybe that'll help me. And I manifested a Reiki master. 2009, I took a Reiki course, uh, Master Katakagara. And it was a three-month course. I learned Reiki and I started giving myself Reiki every night. Went to an acupuncturist, got on Chinese herbs once a month and um, went to a chiropractor once a month. And in about a year and a half, I ended up really healing my anxiety and depression. I did a lot of meditation work. I wanted to astral travel and um, I started channeling ascended masters And so eventually I channeled that my life purpose was to illuminate. Before I did that, though, I came up with the name of my business and it is Soul Illume, which means to light the soul. And so finding out that really my life purpose was to illuminate and channeling that has been probably one of the best things that's ever happened in my life. It's incredible. That is the most beautiful story. I don't even know where to begin with that. You know, I think it's interesting because like we're seekers, obviously, that's why we started this podcast. I, you know, I told you I love Reiki. So it sounds like you have these gifts and, Mm -hmm. you know, you've channeled them and you've found access to them, right? I think we all are born with gifts. Then we have access to them. We like open ourselves to them. Not to say it was 
handed to you or that it was easy, but like, it sounds like you were, you channeled and you're like, okay, this is what my role is. A, I guess, is that overwhelming? Were you like, okay, now what do I do with this? That's A. And then B, I guess for people like us who we are doing this work, but it's not being channeled, like, what would you say to that person who's Um, looking for to like access their gifts and access your purpose? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what to do with it? It wasn't overwhelming per se, because I just was, I had so much joy finally having validation of obviously things I already was doing and knowing. It took a while. At first, I I have my business and I created a whole product line called the Manifestation Series. And I started just getting so many clients when I focused on Sully Loom. And I remember sitting back thinking, why was I getting this many clients in the law for my business? Or you know, it just felt so seamless, flowing, peaceful. peaceful. I it's just left and right. I was having opportunities. I was people would call me out of the blue and say, I want I want you to be on um this website. I don't remember what it's called now. It was a website that was very popular for healers. I was asked to be on an expo. I was asked to be on a couple of TV shows. And it just, I was manifesting so easily. Mind you, I will say that I didn't ever do my childhood trauma healing though. So that was still stuck trauma that I hadn't healed. So I did heal the anxiety and depression. There were things that I hadn't faced yet. And I'm actually going through that now. And that type of healing Mm -hmm. and sexual trauma too, that I just and healing this year. So as far as finding your purpose, oh, by the way, I didn't, um, so I just thought, okay, through my business and getting clients. And then I felt like I really wanted to illuminate. If I'm going to illuminate, I want to illuminate the masses. How do I do that? At first I thought, okay, through the the products, because it'll go in people's homes and, and really helping to bring light on a larger scale. And then the way my life shifted, I ended up with an opportunity to serve in local office. And I thought to myself, "Mm, I love politics. Uh, I just thought it was incredible as an attorney too. I thought, wow, I think that this is a path to really bringing light to an area that is so dark. And what a better way to illuminate mass amounts of people um, than to be in elected office and change the matrix. I always say I'm not a politician. I'm a healer in politics. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And so that is one of the reasons why I ran, obviously, to actually create change. And I have on a in a very large way in the city of West Hollywood. But my purpose again in reaching the masses is an incredible way to do that. Yeah. And you were able to amplify your illumination. Yes. Yeah. To amplify. So what's so interesting to me and kind of going back to your career as a lawyer or law school stint, I, I want to know more. It's like you have so many different identities, right? Like you went from, you know, you came from Iran, then you probably like grew up, went to high school, like, like a quote unquote normal kid. Then you like went to law school, then you became a Reiki healer. And then Mm -hmm. you're the mayor of West Hollywood. Like they're very, very different identities. Um, And I think that's a lot of times what people struggle with to shift identities because we, we hold on to like, I am a lawyer and it's very hard for us to get out of that box. And especially because society labels us that too. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to get out of society's box, not just our own. So kind of walk me through like how you even decided you wanted to go to law school um, and why you kind of were like, I don't want to be a lawyer. I mean, you kind of explained that to us, how you got into being a Reiki healer and how you got into being in in policy, but how did the kind of lawyer stuff come around? Sure. So I still practice law and I still, the uh, elected office is Mm -hmm. part-time. I wish it was full-time, but it's part-time with less than part time pay. I just have to say that. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to change that and bring more equity in this area, uh, especially some more BIPOC folks and women and single moms can run and afford to run. So in my second year of college, I was sitting in a coffee shop with my then girlfriend who was Iranian, Assyrian, and Armenian. And I had just come out to my mom when I was 19. Uh, so a year before, and she hadn't really come out to her family. I knew one gay guy who was one of my best friends in high school and she knew one lesbian. We didn't really know any other gay people. We didn't have community. And um, there weren't gay straight alliances at the time that I went to high school. So that was after. Uh, I think gay straight alliances really helped um, the LGBTQ community and allies to learn more about us, about us and be more embracing. And so I was sitting in this coffee shop that a lot of gay people would go to. We were sitting on a bench, drinking lattes, holding hands. And uh, there was a new manager. And the next thing I know, the manager and a police officer are standing above us. The police officer looked down and said, you two need to get up and leave. The manager doesn't want your kind in his establishment. And then the cop blew a kiss and winked at me. So- What city was this in? San Jose, 1997. It was a coffee shop called City Espresso at the time. I don't even know if it's still there. As immigrants who were children during the revolution, this was really traumatizing because of the abuse that the the Revolutionary Guard had committed against so many people. And just even if we hadn't gone through that, this was wrong and traumatizing as two young gay kids, really. Uh, We got up, ran out of there. We were in tears. We lost our safe space. We didn't have community to turn to. We just, we felt scared. And we got in my car. We were driving around. We would drive on the freeway. 
And something just, maybe it was my intuition, something shifted in me. I pulled the car over and I turned to her and I said, I'm tired of feeling powerless. We need to go to law school, learn the law and stop this from happening to others. That day we were discussing what we wanted to do for our future, what graduate schools we wanted to go to. So we both ended up going to law school and I spent the next 20 years volunteering for different LGBTQ organizations to uh, be an advocate uh, for equality. Wow. So that was really my calling that I followed. I guess in a way, I just follow my calling. This is what I'm doing in politics, following my calling for Congress and healing. It's all related to my purpose, which is to illuminate. Yeah. It's so interesting, the fact that your purpose has led you into so many different life journeys, right? Like you're, it's, it's really beautiful how you it's constantly kind of tying around and purposes aren't meant to be like stagnant, right? It's meant to like evolve with you over time. Um, so I think that's like a huge example for everyone also listening that you don't have to be one thing, like your purpose can just take you to so many different aspects of life. Well, I think once you figure out what your purpose is, it's not about being attached to an identity of I'm a lawyer, I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that. In, in essence, I anchor myself in my purpose, which is to illuminate. Yeah. Right. I really love that. That's a big, like, I think in a lot of ways we've learned through the lens of these conversations, we've learned that, but like no one has said it so succinctly and so eloquently, but it's true. It's like more just finding like your calling is to illuminate and how are you going to do that? Like these identities or these careers are really just the vehicle Mm -hmm. to do that. Like it's just, it doesn't really matter how it's more about the why. Yeah, exactly. The exactly. Why, so if, if we say, Jazz, that like, you know, our purpose is to be open and vulnerable and create like safe spaces for others to share. It's like that can be on this podcast. That can be in our friend group. That can be in our jobs. Like there's just so many places. It's not like I'm a podcast host and this is what I do. Yeah. And I think it actually really limits you and pigeonholes you, but that's society, right? And I think that's, I mean, definitely immigrant parents, at least my, you know, like we've, we all have experienced with that. Like I think, and no, no hate to them, wouldn't change it for the world. But, you know, just, I think this idea of like, it's also, I think, tied to capitalism, mm-hmm. right? Is like we favor specialists and in getting into a career, be a doctor, be this, be that. But I think you've very gracefully allowed yourself the space to be everything at once. Was there ever a moment when you were you know, deciding to do the manifestation business and all of that, where you were like, I'm giving up on everything I've created before, or was, were you always kind of moving with this like grace and this dance with life? No, I've never thought about, I'm giving up everything I've created before. That's so um, interesting. That, I don't, I think most people would probably be like, well, what am I going to do about all this time and money yeah, I, spent I just spent on so this. much time and money in law school. Like I put myself through so I'm much- going to give it all up. I mean, that's why most people don't walk away from things or don't even pivot. I think that is also something a therapist did say to me once. Is she's like, why does it have to be changing? Why can't it be expanding? That's exactly what I've done. I've expanded. Yeah. There are times that I think back and go, wow, you know, uh, it's not that I'm, because I'm certainly not perfect. I'm a human being. And so there are times that I go into a place of, 
you know, what if I had made this decision or that decision, uh, like in relationships or, you know, I put a lot of free time into the LGBTQ community, quite frankly, I could have done something else, but I go back and I go, how do I feel about myself? Do I feel fulfilled? So your question of fulfillment and um, that helps guide me if I'm doing the right thing. And as far as capitalism, by the way, I think cap- here's the thing. I don't have any issue. I think money vibration is a vibration of unconditional love. Wow. Tell us more about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So everything is that is manifested to raise vibration is a vibration of unconditional love. So money is unconditional love when it's done in a way to uplift and help others versus oppress. And that's the difference. So your father, by the way, his purpose is to be love. He is, oh, he is, he is all love. It was so clear to me. He is so clear to me that that is his purpose. And he really embodies that. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And so there are some folks that use money in a negative way to create negativity and to focus on greed. And those people aren't actually fulfilled. And there are those that vibrate abundance with capitalism that it it is from a place of unconditional openness and love too. There's both of those. Right. And I think we've almost... I don't want to say dirtied, but we've like, I think this scarcity and this like hunt for money that Mm -hmm. capitalism has bred, probably unintentionally, is what's created. Because it's almost like to me, I think money, I agree with you in the sense, I've never heard someone say it's unconditional love, but I understand what you're saying. And I, I like that and agree with that. To me, like what creates this negative energy around money is like the competitive there's not enough to go around oh, lack you have to sell your soul like yeah. you you can't possibly make money doing something creative i mean it, i actually wanted to ask you this too like did your parents help you foster your creativity because it sounds like you were always exploring your creativity and open to it as even as a kid um no well i've always loved dancing uh even as a kid i just loved dancing my mom encouraged me to uh, follow the arts and theater. And she wanted, you know, she was like, Let's, you should become a model. And she really, in fact, when I went to law school, she's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Unlike most Iranian moms in that sense. Yeah, very different. But my parents honestly weren't capable of truly parenting me. I was completely an adult child because of what happened in the war. And so I was parenting them mostly. I became the parent to my parents because of being in Iran. And when the revolution war happened, there was no one to really parent me in a healthy way. So I became the adult very quickly as a child. And everybody would say, oh, Seppi is always so, she's such an adult. She says, but the truth is, I just, I didn't really have a childhood, which isn't great. And that's the stuff I'm working on healing now. Yeah, that's not a that's not a healthy way of being as a child. The parent really needs to parent the child, but it switched over. And my parents were both older too. I was a late in life gift to them, I like to say. And so it was almost like I was 
caretaking for them. And I had to learn through my healing journey because I became such a rescuer when I was younger Mm. to not do that and instead be a healer. The difference between rescuing and healing. I have a lot of this like savior complex too. It's like, I always want to like help and coach and do and all this stuff instead of just like, listen and like be just a friend, not like someone who's going to help them get the job that they just lost. You know, like I need to remove myself from that complex. Yeah. So it's it's hard to do. So do you remember leaving, like fleeing at five years old? Yeah. I remember um, the night that we went to the airport. I remember sitting in the car. It was nighttime. Uh, I remember feeling scared. I remember feeling alone because my brother, we he was 11 years older than me and the only sibling I knew who I was obsessed with and adored. I mean, he was my everything. He was my best friend. He was going to be 15 when we were leaving. And at 15, they were mandatorily drafting all the boys into the Iran-Iraq war. They were all dying. So essentially, my parents hired smugglers and smuggled, the smugglers smuggled him out of the country. And so when he left, I just was like, oh my, that's when one of my abandonment wounds started. So then it was myself and my parents in the car. We were going to the airport. And I remember my mom saying, being so nervous because she had hidden her wedding ring. They weren't letting you take any gold out of the country. And I had myself and my little elephant, who I called Filu, which means a little elephant in Farsi. Um, it was, Filu was now my best friend because my brother was gone. I got completely attached to this, this, um, doll. And I was wearing a gold necklace with the Goran, a little tiny Goran in there, but they weren't letting you take gold out of the country. And my mom was talking about how she hid her wedding ring somewhere in her body. And we got to the airport and there was two different lines. The men had to go in one way and the women went another way. And they had the Mujahideen who was checking people and like doing a, like a strip search and all that kind of stuff in these little rooms. And so the, because I was a child, I got to go in there with my mom and the woman was so, the woman was so rude and mean and yelling. And my mom was so scared, by the way, she went in the bathroom and threw away, he flushed her wedding ring down the toilet because she was too scared that they might find it. And then when we went in the room, the woman was basically grabbed the necklace around my neck and like yanked it and broke the chain. And my mom was like, don't do that. It's the Quran. You can't do that to the Quran. And because it's the, the, the Quran is very sacred. So you're never supposed to like put it, you know how the Book of Mormon is on in or the Bible is inside of the shit. You don't do that with the Quran. It has to be on uh, like a outside. You can't put it and you're not supposed to put it inside a drawer or anything. And so as soon as she said that to her, she's like, oh, okay. Because she felt, oh, she shouldn't treat the Quran that way. She said, you know, call someone and tell them to come back and get this. I'll let you, uh, uh, it's okay. So I think somebody called my aunt or I don't know how that happened. I was a child, I don't remember, but it was given to my aunt. And they wanted to tear my filu apart. The, the doll, because they thought maybe we've hidden something in there. I remember crying and crying, crying. Finally, they're like, fine, we'll leave it alone. And then we, we got through. I remember some parts of the trip where we were in the airplane, like a little picture memories. I remember we went to Italy, I think at Palermo at some point. I have this memory where my dad had to leave 
for some reason and we were separated for a while. And then I remember some memories of when we arrived. So those are, that's the, those are the memories I remember. I could imagine that there's a lot of like triggers that can happen from that later on in life. That and the triggers that actually I experience are from the war. So for the longest time when I would hear airplanes go by, and a lot of Iranians will say this, I've had conversations with a lot of them recently that the sound of planes reminds them, reminds us, reminds me of the when they would bomb yeah. the airplanes and we'd have to rush down into the basement. Fireworks are very triggering for me. In fact, last year and this year, I had a complete anxiety and PTSD come up. I was surprised about this year because I've done some work around the PTSD. But again, when I got home this year and the fireworks started, I literally was like frozen and I was having triggers. So I, I went to bed and went to sleep. Good for you. Well, it seems like you've been through so much, but you've also really, like, are really aware of the things that need to be worked on. And mm-hmm. I think that self-awareness is is key to just starting. And I think sometimes people lack, they go into defensive mode and they're like, no, 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 I don't have that, right? No, I don't have savior complex. I'm not going to do that, right? Yeah. But, um, so I think just like recognizing um, is is the first step to it. So Seppi, you've been through like so many things and I know your purpose has not changed, but kind of like evolved over time. The name of our podcast is What's the Point? So what do you think the point is? And it doesn't have to be the point for forever. It could be just today. As you said, we all evolve. So what's the point? The point is to be present and experience all the feelings um, to help others and be of service and be in each moment. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. You have an amazing story. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 